0: Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, the Mid-Year Goals Review, Part 1. Well, I I don't know if careers are... um... Like management, but we certainly talk about management or manager tools about about it being boring and repetitive and unsexy and unpretty and uh, yep. most of all, good management is not dramatic, right? Drama is for the movies, and they don't yeah. make movies about management, right? I, mean, I wish
1: they did; that'd be they wouldn't sell. It would I'd, be very cool. I'd buy them. I'd buy them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said before on air that there's only one good movie that accurately represents. Management to some degree and that's disclosure, which of course isn't really not a movie about management. It just happens to get management, right? It's about sexual harassment, but um, um, That's Michael Crichton for you. He's a great writer um, Yeah, most people would say careers are different than management in that regard in the undramatic nature um, we all tend to remember things about our careers that are the dramatic moments, the the promotions, the big promotions, maybe the um, the home runs we hit, the great new job offers, the big failures, right? That get that make the yeah. press. Uh, Giddy, uh, even Giddy. you know, you think think about management. You know, people don't really think about management this way, but but I I'm pretty sure I think it's been discontinued. But for years, the the articles that were written about management, people management, and fortune were. The worst managers alive, and people had to anonymously recommend people, and the person who got the most votes. I mean, it was always just Dragon Lady or, or you know, Jackass in charge. Pardon my French, um, and it was you know, that's, it's another form of dramatic, right? Um, and, um, and 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 it, it's we we think of careers that way, and yet in fact. Good career management is just like good management in that it's boring, it's repetitive, it's unsexy, it's unpretty, like you said. Um, we, we, we remember the dramatic moments It's because it, that's just proof that our memories are emotionally anchored. At least that's what I read. Memories are emotional. And, and um, all those dramatic moments that we remember, the big promotions or the somebody else getting fired or marched out of the building or whatever – uh, the, the dramatic successes in fact are, are just like slam dunks that we talked about in meetings right it's it's um the, the slam dunk is what everybody remembers when somebody gets a big budget approved or a project gets the green light or what have you, and everybody goes, wow, what a great briefing. But of course the briefing isn't what did it. It was the pre-wire in advance, the unsexy, unpretty, hard work of putting the thoughts together, pitching it differently to each of the key people who have to make a decision, and get counting your votes, counting noses, counting heads, before you ever go to the dramatic moment, which is the big board meeting or the big senior executive meeting. Um, that's the beauty of pre-wire, and that leads to dramatic success. And the same thing's true for careers, which, of course, good good pre-wires is a, a, a career management tool, right? It's not it's not just a management tool; it's a career tool. And and um, look, this is this cast, um, you know, getting ready for an annual review six months in advance, if you will, is the same thing. It is. This is the kind of undramatic stuff that happens behind the scenes um, that makes for successful careers. Although what we will remember about the successful career is the promotion. But the promotion is only the result of all the undramatic stuff before. And that means what we're talking about here is reviewing annual goals halfway through the year. And making adjustments so that we don't have to answer for a year's worth of mistakes at the end of the year, and we can we can adjust ourselves as we go along.
0: Well, I can't think of anything more boring or unsexy or unpretty than <laughs> looking at my performance
1: goals six months before my yeah. annual
0: review. So. <laughs>
1: I never thought of it that way. This is the most. Can we can we nominate this as the most unsexy, <laughs> the yeah, most yeah, unpretty yeah. career yeah. tool? <laughs> In our office at 7 o'clock at night on a July or early August day thinking, yeah, this is going to help me in December with my review. It's not like I'm already busy and the family's going on vacation next week, but this is where I should be because Mike and Mark says, say success is undramatic, <laughs> except, except for what my spouse is going to say when I get home. That's going to be dramatic. Yeah, so if an effective... <laughs> uh, uh- Effective career
0: management has to be boring and unsexy. Then you've nailed it. So yeah, I've nailed it. Yeah, and, and uh, so okay. So now that we've just totally turned people off to the idea yeah. of listening to this <laughs> cast,
1: what are we? What are we going to talk about? Yeah. Okay. So look, we have we we recommend that halfway through the year you review every person review their annual performance goals their progress against them and we have five steps that we recommend you go through first schedule a time at the end of the day and we're going to cover this again but scheduling a time is important for these kinds of things okay Second, we're in that, in that time we schedule, half an hour, an hour, whatever, we're going to assess progress, our progress at the year, at half year versus our goals for the year. If we're halfway through everything, well, lucky we're probably in pretty good shape. Um, number three, we're going to consider making changes, um, and making some choices around changes in our scope and our timing. In other words, could we delay something being done, or could we, in fact, narrow our scope, or perhaps increase our scope if we've if we've gotten pretty far ahead? Number four, we also want to do something a lot of people miss. Um, this is not a zero-sum game, so we want to consider new opportunities. Uh, it, it's not it, it's not as common as simply making changes in scope or timing, but it's necessary to look at each time. It's just running the playbook. This is part of the career tools playbook. Uh, and then lastly, the last step is to prepare and send a communication with your update in preparation for having a meeting with your boss, obviously. So those are the five steps.
0: Good, okay, so step number one. Of course of course, we're going to make this as boring and as yeah. sexy as we can. So we're just gonna wait till the end of the day to schedule some time to, to think about this. Great.
1: Yeah. Look, look um, you know we're, we're, we're really killing the boring thing, but you know boring works, and um, you know there there are firms now that are going out of business, that went bankrupt, that reached for 15% returns when their historic industry averages have been 5%. And generally speaking, there's no free lunch, and we're not suggesting that every single situation all the time you should accept 1% with no risk rather than 2% with some risk. Um, But there's an old saying that everybody wants to get to heaven and nobody wants to die. If there's a big return, then there's probably a big risk or it requires hard work. Um, And this is one of those things that happens that nobody sees and everybody wonders why. Yeah, okay, Joe over there, he doesn't get the big promotions, but he's... He seems to be doing well and that guy who got the big promotion two years ago also got fired when he tried something big and we committed a lot of resources and it turned out not so good um you can have a great career keeping your head down and this is one of the ways you do it and there are far too many people in the world today career advisors saying stick out be different be special be unique uh um and, you know Wendy I think made a comment on Twitter recently saying something to the effect of yeah it really makes you stand out if you send us your resume on CD unfortunately we can't look at it because uh, our our, uh, our security systems on our PCs won't allow us to use somebody's external CD nice idea but you know terribly dramatic but terribly ineffective as well um, so this is one of those things scheduling time Uh, Is one of those undramatic things putting having a meeting with ourselves um, Is a more effective way to be Um, rather than waiting for a late in the year surprise when we haven't done our homework We make preparation to avoid that surprise part of our routine in advance. That's all we're saying. And and in fact, let me just be clear. This cast is as much, if not maybe more, about scheduling our time to be effective than it is about the actual review of our performances coming up in six months. Senior executives, senior people in their careers all do this virtually every quarter. Because, I don't know if we have ever said this before, at the very top levels of organizations folks, annual reviews really aren't done between boss and subordinate. They're conducted in public, in the finance pages of the Wall Street Journal or The Economist. Those top executives know what their numbers are, or, okay, put differently, they know what their review looks like, without sitting down with their boss because they've been managing the businesses daily, weekly, and quarterly, and their review is essentially whether or not something's profitable, which of course affects stock price and and tends to get reported in the papers. On the other hand, the rest of us, we don't get those kind of very obvious quarterly reports if we're not running a, a business that contributes to the overall organization. And so we probably haven't gotten that. And this is a cast about careers, not about about how we how we manage our directs although if you have directs this is certainly related to that um you're not ta- we're not talking about a lot of time here right in terms no. of time in terms of scheduling no we we don't you don't need to schedule more than an hour but he, but here's the thing in fact half hour is probably fine right but here's an important point that i think a lot of us miss when we're scheduling we're doing this kind of boring management stuff right if it, it um we're saying we recommend scheduling time to do this scheduling it in advance brings it to our attention um, In fact, Wendy and I were talking the other day to mention Wendy and we talked about the reticular activating system Once you schedule it we're gonna start thinking about the things we do relative to that Event when we sit down to actually review our progress We're gonna be more effective at it rather than simply um, sitting down all of a sudden and say, "Okay, let me just think about this." You're not going to be good at it. Give yourself a few days. Give yourself a week. Schedule it for next week and say, "Okay, between now and then, I'm going to let my, I'm going to open up my mind to the possibilities of the last six months and the next six months, and we're going to be more effective." It's as simple as that. And. and Look, uh, we to some degree. Somebody's listening right now and says they're sounding pretty pedantic and and I, I, I Won't argue that to some degree, but this is one of the small things that makes a difference uh, Among managers among individual contributors among effective professionals It's not enough Folks to do these things when you think about it Okay now, in fact, Mike knew this long before I did. Um, Mike is more naturally organized than me. I tend to be more intuitive. I don't tend to care as much about the details, whereas he is good with details. Um, it is not enough to get things done haphazardly as a manager, as an individual contributor, as an executive. If you want to be truly effective, if we don't schedule our time and we're not talking, we we, uh, might think about it. I mean, how many hours do we ask people to schedule? We don't ask for that much. We ask for one on ones. We ask for a weekly staff call. We ask for this quarterly. We recommend a monthly uh, uh, written review of our performance uh, of our projects, not performance, but of our projects, our tasks and our deliverables and so on. But that's really about it. Um uh, but but look, if we don't schedule time, here, here's the thing. If you don't schedule time, when we get busy, these things that need to get done won't get done. And if you're thinking, I might want to do that in the middle of the year, but then you have a busy end of second quarter and you don't do it, why are you not doing it? In part because it wasn't scheduled. So look, for you newer managers um, who are listening, don't think to yourself, oh, I'm just going to sit down and do it. That's not being as effective as you can be. It doesn't take any more time to schedule time next week to think about it between now and then and then when you sit down, you're going to be much more efficient in that period that half an hour hour, get in the habit of scheduling your time now, even if it's only a week, a week away when you schedule it. Um, Think of it this way. Um, we've, we've repeated before the time. I'm pretty sure we've talked about the title of a book we like, uh, The Greatest Management Principle in the World. And the, 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 the GMP, as they say, is the things that get rewarded are the things that get done. But, but really, I, I've argued for a while that that's really not the most important insight. Really, the book should have been the things that get measured are the things that get done. And the things that get measured and rewarded are the things that get done well. And, and what makes for an effective manager in the kind of operational tempo we have in the world today is somebody who schedules what they need to do that is going to be measured so that they can get rewarded and this is i mean shoot drucker talks about this in the second chapter of the effective executive so i'd like to suggest maybe uh, to just tie this all up to keep me from talking forever about the importance of scheduling one's time the manager tools corollary to the greatest management principle in the world um with the tip of the hat to michael LeBuff, the guy who wrote the book years ago um, effective managers schedule time for those things that are measured and that increases our chances of doing those things well And, of course, that increases our chances of being rewarded. And organizations in general, by the way, folks, are pretty good about generally being uh, fair, although I don't like the word fair terribly much, like I don't like the word should. Organizations are generally pretty fair or equitable regarding the dispensation of rewards relative to results. If you create a lot of value, you're probably going to get a lot of rewards. Not in every case, not all the time, but in general, organizations are good at it. So if you do the right things well, the things that get measured, You're going to be rewarded disproportionately to those people who don't do the right things well. And I would argue for the vast majority of managers and executives, Mike and I know, the ones that get them done more well, more often are the ones who spend more time thinking about what they're going to spend their time doing, which is scheduling the right things.
0: Yeah. And I'd say that apply to effective professionals as well. If you're an individual contributor, not a manager, the same thing applies.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Good. Okay. So, all right. So we schedule some time. That's easy enough we put it on our calendar we can put it on our calendar months ahead of time so what do we do once we've done it
1: oh twiddle your thumbs um easy we review our performance goals for this year right uh, and we compare our progress to them so get out the old document um that came out in december or january um I, every time i do a cash about performance reviews i think about my client that years ago that Everyone joked that nothing got done in January, the start of their big year, the year, because everybody was busy writing reviews. And then in February, they would get around to figuring out what everybody would do for the rest of the year. I thought, gee, can I discount it by 8% since I've lost a month? Um, uh, but what we do is we get out that old document. Um uh, and really, it's even easier if we've done our quarterly review in the, into the first quarter, um, Q1, uh, to, to, to ask ourselves, okay, how have we been doing relative to our goals along the way, whether we had to report those to our boss or not. Um, uh, and we, we grab our performance plan and our development plan for the year and we review what we're committed to and you know for me it would be writing them out longhand okay i said i'd do x and y and z probably what i would do actually is i if i had the document to edit it i would take the document i'd get rid of all the details i'd spread it out a little bit and I'd be and i'd separate each one by maybe and give it half a page each maybe it's a five or six page document now with five or ten you know ten or so things on it and then i would have some room to take notes uh, and uh, about uh, proof that i have that i did it and we ask ourselves a very specific question about each one of our performance and development goals. And that is, what evidence, keyword evidence, what evidence is there that I've either achieved this goal or that I have made progress toward this particular performance or developmental goal?
0: Okay, it's the end of the second quarter. Are we just looking at those things that we were committed to to deliver in the first and second quarter? Or are we looking at, All the tasks for the year, even those that we haven't delivered, but
1: might have some intermediate deliverables. Yeah, exactly. And we really have a couple of things that we're looking at. We're looking at, okay, are we have we accomplished the things we're supposed to accomplish, right? Which is things that are at the deliverable date, the final date is before the date we're sitting down, Q1, Q2. Uh, not all, but most. Okay, maybe not most. The plurality of, of objectives, annual objectives, have some sort of milestones along the way. And if you're halfway through the year, you should be roughly halfway there. But some of them are things like by July 1st, due, X or by May fifteenth, do Y, and 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 so we want to capture whether or not we have in fact done those things. So any goal we had for the year, whether it was supposed to be done on February first or March fifteenth or December thirty first, any of them, we want to capture our progress against it. If in fact it happened in May and we're not done yet, we better have a reason why. Um, And we'll talk about some of the uh, not so great reasons why here in a minute. But but we want to we want to compare ourselves to things that are already supposed to be done, and we need to be ready to tell our boss that we're not done, or we need to be able to give a percentage or a proof that we are where we're supposed to be relative to an annual goal. If it's halfway through the year and you're only 25% of the way through something that's supposed to take you all year and you're supposed to have started in January, yeah, you're in trouble. And you might as well talk about it now. Um, so you're right, it's both things that last the whole year and things that are three quarters long, two quarters long, one quarter long, one month long, we wanna capture all those things. And essentially, for those things we have already supposed to be done, if we're in fact done, we wanna, to remind our boss we did them, but also set them aside and spend more time on really what we're what we're getting at, which is okay. How are we going to address the last half of the year? But the key point there, the key word is evidence. Too many managers, too many individual contributors, too many executives um, I tend to talk about how they feel about what's happened. Um, you know, we feel good about our progress, but really. Actually, we don't feel good about our progress. We just feel good about how much work we've been doing. That's what most managers, most career people think. Most professionals say, I've been busy. Gosh, I mean, you know, I, let me show you all the stuff I've done. Well, the problem is what you've done may not be against our goal, against your goals. And what's worse, it may be that your boss is responsible for it, but it doesn't matter. We're looking for evidence, not feelings. Um, Uh, Basically, the the bottom line is feelings are not clearly delineated between actual progress and mitigating circumstances. If we've made no progress, but we feel good about it, it's probably because we have mitigating circumstances. And those make sense to us because we lived it, but they won't make that much sense to our boss at the end of the year. Too many times when we've coached executives... We're reviewing things at some point. We ask about status. We ask about progress. And and we're going to share with you three examples that are classic. They are, they probably cover 75% of the possible examples of the possible rationales we get. There are three of them. And the first one we get when we, when we get a, a disconnect between what's supposed to have been done and what actually has been done. The first one we get is, well, but Mark or Mike, that objective, that thing you're talking about, that X you're, you're getting on me because for not being done with, that's OBE, which is, by the way, for those of you who don't know, that's overcome by events, right? Um, that's the most common rationale for an undelivered-upon goal when we work with professionals comparing their performance against documented goals for the quarter the the semi the the half year or the whole year. No, you can't hold me accountable for that. Things changed. They always do around here. Yeah, that's what people say. Hey, things change And and look, look here's the thing, guys. We know you're right. Things did change. But here's the problem with that. The document we're going to be compared to at the end of the year will not have changed. And the changes seem reasonable at the time they're happening, but at the end of the year, we're both supposed to take a step up out of the, the flow of, of, uh, the incessant flow of work and get some perspective. And the perspective looks like, well, we just didn't do it. Too many managers have asked us how to improve their results year over year, but they always ask us at the end of the year. And that's too late. It's not enough to be able to argue at the end of the year that something we missed is OBE. Uh, Again, we don't have any doubt that it was overcome by events. But our bosses owe a review to their bosses of us, and plenty of our bosses are okay with keeping themselves all square relative to our review by legitimately saying, look, okay, you know, maybe it is OBE, but I have to evaluate you against something. What my bosses know I'm supposed to evaluate against is this document. My boss is going to look at your performance and development goals. He's not aware of the things that I had you working on that were absolute necessity, and he may forget that he was the one that told me to have you work on it, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to compare you to this. And if you haven't had a discussion, if you haven't had an analysis, if you haven't done a review in the middle of the year trying to accomplish something against that at late in the year, if you're given three weeks to make something look pretty or, or try to essentially make a case for why you didn't do something, um, if your boss put, draws a line in the sand, if our boss draws a line in the sand and said, nope, that one I need, I know how OBE it's been and I know I put you in the wrong place, but frankly, there's nothing I can do about it. You want six months and not three days or six days or something like that.
0: Okay, so that's that's one excuse we hear often. What about a more reasonable, more rational excuse, which is resources. You know, I was supposed to get $200,000 to complete this project. I only got $75,000. So, due to lack of resources, I didn't I didn't get the project done. I missed my deliverable.
1: And 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 frankly, the objective was contingent upon the resources, right? I mean, your boss knew that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, At least in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I would argue that probably it was in his or her mind at some point. And and look, I've seen this one as likely to be true as the OBE defense. Uh, Look, this is just the organization behaving as if our objective was OBE or made less valuable by changes of some sort or the other um, uh, because the organization put the resources onto something else. And so another event overcame our event our uh, our resource need and it got and so our resource need got trumped and so we couldn't do it uh, just like it, we are a resource and we get trumped and work on X rather than Y and then we want to be forgiven for Y when in fact some bosses won't and the organization won't either. If we're obligated to perform to a particular objective, then we're obligated to communicate about it if we're going to do it or if we're not. And frankly, the, what's amazing is people say, well, I don't want to talk about the things I'm not going to get done, but everybody wants to talk about the things they have done, right? Look, if you're obligated to do it, you're obligated to communicate about it whether the communication is positive or negative. It's not professional for us to know we're going to miss something because resources that we and look and our boss too we agreed were necessary uh, if they weren't made available right Uh, and then to not communicate about slipping status due to that lack of resources it's just not professional um Too many of us assume that to our own benefit, that the boss surely knows about our lack of resources and therefore is tacitly blessing our lack of progress, our lack of work because we don't have the resources. And here's what bosses have told me privately. Yeah, I was aware of it. And yeah, I know I'm in a gray area here. I may have been tacitly aware that he wasn't working on it, but I can't tell my boss I was tacitly aware of it, and I'm responsible for it, and I didn't change it, and so somebody's gonna be left holding the bag. And, and frankly, this is said sometimes by very professional people. I'm gonna be holding the bag, but I'm not gonna hold it myself. The person who was supposed to be doing the work and didn't communicate about the resources they needed, they're gonna be holding the bag too. So don't assume that your boss is hanging you out to dry on this one, folks. He or she is not. They're hanging in the wind with you, but it doesn't feel that way when you're the one hanging in the wind.
0: Yeah, well, this is why well, we hear this often from inexperienced professionals, and in, in that, we're, look, we're we're in a land of scarcity. We're always in a land of scarcity, and the idea that just because I don't get all the resources I said I needed at the beginning of the project, using that as an excuse for not delivering on something just doesn't go terribly far.
1: Yeah, the, you know that that may be a cast there about about uh, the sign of youth there uh, when I when I think of young uh, fairly inexperienced people the two things I see most no, not most frequently. Two things I see quite commonly are, number one, great f- putting their best foot forward and dragging the other one behind. In other words, not following through. Classic junior mistake. And the other one is assuming that uh, uh, resources are unlimited and I should get some rather than having to fight for them or making a case for them. And then, and then, pardon me for saying so, but whining about not having them. Gosh, if everybody had all the resources they need, everybody would. It, everybody's job would be easy. That's the whole point of... Profit is that resources are constrained. If resources were unlimited, profit wouldn't be a problem.
0: Okay, well, second one. Well, here's here's a third one. And again, this sounds like a rational excuse to me. Look, at the beginning of the year, we set five objectives. And then over the course of the last six months, you've had me working on 15 other things. So, because of you, I haven't had the time to do the work.
1: Yeah. I made this mistake early in my career. No question about it. Look, our bosses don't see us as having limited time. They see us as having nearly unlimited time. They expect us to make prioritization decisions, and they expect us to be able to communicate about our status, okay? Look, there are two extremes here. One is the IT organization, the mechanistic IT organizations of the world, the vast majority of them, who, who act as if the pattern is full or we have no free resources. That's their refrain all the time. And the other extreme is marketing organizations also stupidly saying, oh, sure, we can do that. We can do almost anything, only then not delivering on anything they promised except the thing that interested them at that particular moment. Um, one is obsessive compulsive and the other was ADD. At, at the extreme, they're, they're, you know, it, it's not a purely black and white thing, but there are plenty that are very close to black on both ends of the spectrum here. But look, as professionals, we're obligated to know what we can do and can't do. And if we do accept work, we can't assume that it is intended to replace work we're already doing and that we get to just simply ignore stuff. Um, we're supposed to supplement what we've already done, and we're expected to figure out how to do things more effectively. And this harkens back very closely to the delegation uh, task and the, uh, um, the juggling con that we put out a couple of years ago. Okay, so th- those are some excuses. The key, the key word I want to come back to, though, I want to beat this horse till it's dead, is evidence. If we've been managing our priorities and our time and our energy well, we'll likely have been communicating status, although I'm amazed at the amount of energy, for instance, the project uh, business, the project management industry has put into, let's make it easier for people to report status and, in fact, I think we've proven that we could make it trivial, we could make it beaming between two brains and people still won't do it. And the reason why is because underlying work hasn't been done and that's why people don't wanna report status. That's just me, I could be wrong. Um, but look, if we've been doing our work, we, hopefully we've been communicating status and we can simply review the status that we've already communicated recently. You know, we're looking for documents, we're looking for meeting notes, we're looking for emails of completions or congratulations, we're looking, hope against hope, for project charts, deadlines met, green, yellow, red, rag charts, the whole thing. Um, and look, it's possible we won't have evidence. It's happened to me many times. And so when that happens, you've got two actions you've got to take as a professional. This is the point at which people go, oh, gosh, you know what? I think I really know why they wanted this to be boring and unsexy because they wanted to hide that it was actually a little bit hard. Um, yeah, just because you're sitting by yourself doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Um, some people, some professionals don't do this because they know that for many of us, it creates more work. Um, in order to reduce our risk at the end of the year. The two things we've got to do is, number one, we've got to go back and start creating the evidence. Oh, that, that, that sounds really good. <laughs> <I> really, <laughs> that sounds bad, doesn't it? I don't mean it that way. What we mean is go back and find evidence, emails, deliverables, reports from other people that show what we either did or what we contributed to or even what was done that we didn't do as long as it serves to show serves to show progress on our objectives. Um. Now, look, obviously work that we didn't do is far more likely to relate to performance goals right? Than rather than development goals, at least for the individual contributors of the world. But the second thing we've got to do is to commit to avoiding this sort of ex post facto mistake in our second half. Um, usually we recommend project planning and reporting for performance and development goals. In other words, look, if you've got... 60% of a project to get done and 50% of the year come up with a project plan to lay it all out and talk to your boss and talk to your team and say these are new deliverables and then report every week you'll be amazed that even though you think gosh I'm, I'm reporting red on things you in fact red exists or amber exists to get more resources or to get more attention and maybe you don't maybe you get a little more attention maybe your boss says gee you're a little bit behind but at the end of the year when everything you're supposed to have done you've done and somebody else hasn't done this and hasn't managed themselves and hasn't taken little shots throughout the year and through the Q3 and Q4, and they don't have stuff done and they've only got 30% of their stuff done, who's going to get a bigger share of the rewards at the end of the year? You are. Why? Because you are willing to plan your work and then work your plan. Um, On the other hand, that project planning, all that kind of stuff, that's for a separate cast. We just just know that if, in fact, you are not there and you need to come up with something, uh, if there's not evidence – uh, or there's evidence that we're not where we need to be. We need to create evidence, go back and find it, not create it um, out of whole cloth and also plan better for the coming year. So we will have the evidence at the end of the year and we're not in this pinch again. Okay, now look, um, we don't recommend, important implication that we've not really made clear yet, we're not recommending folks that you start by thinking about what you need to do for the rest of the year. Most people are so, we're all so used to accepting a new set of uh, uh, of uh, criteria today we open the paper, we see what's going on in the world, we listen, we we, we look at our news feeds, we look at uh, uh, the morning news on TV, or we listen to it on the radio on the way to work, uh, what have you, or on the train or on our iPod in and a, and a, and a, a a news podcast or whatever, and we say, okay, this is the new reality. We look at emails in the morning about who's upset and we're the person and what the resources are and so on. And we create the future every day. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, The problem is we immediately say, okay, what do I need to do? We don't start this effort by thinking about the latter half of the year. We start this effort with what we've already been obligated to do and assessing our performance up until now. Too many managers immediately jump to what we're working on now and then say, okay, I've got to get busy for the rest of the year. We, we think about what we've been assigned and, and, and doing that. And that, the energy that we have for that. Eats up our time and effort in reviewing what we've been getting paid for for the past six months. In other words, we start thinking, "Okay, how am I going to make the rest of the year good?" Rather than spending time asking ourselves how we did thus far, it's only going to take a half an hour or an hour. This is this this meeting, this private time that you're scheduling, is not designed solely to get right to a project plan. The project plan happens after we review every single thing we're supposed to have done. Okay, look, we, we know we're behind. We think our boss knows. She's had a tendency to look the other way. So now that we're doing this, rather than patching up the past, let's go ahead and make a solid start on the second half. And look, it's a good thought in a way. Okay, I know I'm behind, so now let me get busy. But there's a flaw with it. If our analysis shows us changing how we're going to be working, how we're going to be approaching these projects, what we're going to be doing in the second half, we promise you your boss is going to expect first some sort of accounting for the first half of our year. If we just go in thinking we're going to pitch an effective second half, we're gonna get caught flat-footed when we're asked for that first half update. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, before we get into the second half, and all the, let, let's go back. Let's review where how you got where you are now. So, I put you know, read me in, brief me up to speed, and then suddenly we're not ready for it because we don't have the data in front of us. And then essentially what we're doing is coming up with a plan based on less than ideal work, and then we're just basically throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We're throwing good good money after bad, so to speak. So we always review first. It's going to make our first-half defense effective, and it'll make our second-half analysis better, and then it'll make the pitch about what we're going to be doing in the second half to be perceived as highly effective.
0: All right, that's a good place to stop for this week. We'll complete the show next week. In the meantime, we'll see you on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com forward slash forums. See you there, folks. So long.